Welcome to Make Things That Matter, the podcast where we explore impactful products and the cultures that create them. I'm your host, Andrew Scottsko, and if I'm doing my job well, each episode of this show will help you to do meaningful work, make things that make things better, and have a great experience doing it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Make Things That Matter. If it's your first time here, this is the podcast where we explore the principles and the practices that are going to help you do meaningful work and have a great time doing it. Whether you're building your first product or a whole new company, if you're someone who lives from the ethos of trying to use your time to truly contribute things to the world that actually make things better, then you're in the right place, and I'm glad you're here. Now, this is another experimental episode. You may notice if you're a longtime listener that I'm testing out a few different kinds of episode formats in addition to our standard fare of long form interviews. Now, today I wanted to bring you a new idea, a book review. Now, even before I started doing this podcast, I read a lot and I get asked about books all the time. So I thought it might be fun to review some of my favorite books that really have influenced my thinking on all things related to making things that matter in the world. And I thought there is no better place to start than with one of my absolute all-time favorites, which is The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. So a little bit about Simon Sinek, if you don't know who he is, A, what rock have you been living under? Because you're really good at vacations and I need to learn from you. Simon Sinek is one of the most prolific leadership authors of the last, I would say, decade. And The Infinite Game is his third book after after Start With Why, which was sort of the mega bestseller that put him on the map, and then Leaders Eat Last. Now, those are about first starting with your own sense of purpose and, and why and motivation, and then how do you build trusting teams and amazing groups of people to go fulfill on that purpose in the world. Now, this third book is really kind of an update on a much earlier book from the 1980s, I believe, which was a book called Finite and Infinite Games written by a theologian named James Carsey. If I were to tell you why it's probably worth listening to or what the hook would be, it would be that each of us is playing a different game than we realize we're playing. If you're someone who's ever felt like, I don't know, there's something wrong with the way we're doing this in the world. You know, there's something wrong with the way we're doing business, for example. You're probably an idealist like me. And one of the things that I love about this book is it's kind of, in a, in a sense, a very practical manual for, frankly, how to survive as an idealist in the world. So the idea of the infinite game is that, frankly, we're all playing a different game than we think we're playing. Now, what does that even mean? So in going back to that book from James Carsey, there's two types of games in game theory. There's finite games and infinite games. A finite game is a game that's got known players, fixed rules, and an agreed upon objective. So basketball. Basketball is a finite game, right? We know how the game is played. We agree on the rules. Whoever has the most points at the end wins, etc. Now, an infinite game, on the other hand, is totally different. In an infinite game, there's known and unknown players. The rules are constantly changing. People play the game however they want. And frankly, there's no defined criteria of winning. Uh, the infinite game is really about the journey. And where this gets tricky is where not just people, but companies or countries even are playing a game with a wrong mindset for the game that they're playing. Now, one of the classic examples of this is the Vietnam War. In the Vietnam War, the United States was playing as a finite game. They were, they were playing to win. They were trying to beat the Viet Cong and win the war. The Vietnamese were fighting for their lives. It's a totally different mindset. They were never going to give up. So it's just a completely different way to approach things. 
So let's talk a little bit about this. And, and the real trick here is to see the game that you're in, right? To know what kind of game you're really playing. And the big insight of this book is that business is actually an infinite game. And we, the thing that's weird about that is that we talk about business and companies building and organizational life, all the things we talk about in our careers, we talk about them like they're finite games. You know, oh, we want to be the best. We want to get market share. But all the rules are arbitrary, there's just really, it's a different mindset to play from. So there's five factors. There's five things you need to play the game with an infinite mindset. And these five are first, a just cause, two, trusting teams, three, worthy rivals, four, existential flexibility, and five, the courage to lead. Now, I want to emphasize this is not like a step-by-step recipe, like, oh, I'm going to do number one, and then I'm going to do number two. But these are really like the five pillars that you're going to constantly need to be tending to in order to play the infinite game. In this review, I'm going to zoom in on the just cause, worthy rivals, and existential flexibility. If you want to go deeper, I highly recommend the full book. But for this one, I'm just going to focus on those three because I think they're also the, the least well understood. One of the things I want to clarify before getting into it is one of the common questions that comes up about this idea is, wait a minute, what about all my goals? What about, you know, what about those finite games like my quarterly numbers or my goals for the year? What about those? Do I get rid of them? What do I do with them? And the answer is that you're still going to have those. But the difference is that now all those finite games are wrapped inside a much bigger context. The infinite game, that infinite mindset becomes the context that sort of is the umbrella making sense of everything underneath it. So you're still going to have finite games and goals and things like that. And that's fine. But it's a very different way. The experience of doing that is very different when it's wrapped inside of what I'm going to call an infinite container. A great example, by the way, of an infinite game is a relationship. There's no winning at relationship, right? There's no winning at marriage. There's no winning at friendship. The goal is to keep the game going and to have it be better and better over time. You want a a relationship, a marriage, a friendship, whatever, that gets better and better over time. There's no winning. Um, Now, certainly there's going to be times where you're doing better than other times, you know, that that, that relationship is, is healthier and being going in the direction you want it to be going, that may shift over time, but you can't win it. There's no winning that. So that's just one example that we can all relate to, I think, of a infinite game in our lives. All right, now let's get into the first one of these pillars, a just cause. Now, quoting from the book, a just cause is a specific vision of a future state that does not yet exist. It's a future state so appealing that people are willing to make sacrifices in order to help advance toward that vision. The big thing here is to realize this is a direction, not a destination. That is the key thing to understand about a just cause. For all practical purposes, a true just cause is so big that you will never reach it in your lifetime, yet it is worth it. It is still so compelling to you that it's worth it. Let me give you an example of that. The United States of America. One of the key pieces of language is a more perfect union. Now, by definition, that cannot be reached because it can always be more perfect, right? We can always be going further in that direction. Nonetheless, that is a cause that many people find very, very compelling and are willing to dedicate their time and energy toward advancing. Now, for something to be a just cause, there's sort of a five-part checklist here. First one, a just cause needs to be for something, not against something. So it's an affirmative and optimistic statement. Number two, it's inclusive, meaning it is open to any and all who would like to contribute to that cause. It's not just for some people, but no, not for those other people over there. Number three, a just cause needs to be service-oriented, as in it is primarily for the benefit of others. Yes, each of us who contribute to a just cause, we may personally benefit in some way, but that's not the point. 
Number four, the just cause needs to be big enough to be able to endure political, technological, and cultural change. Because if it really is a just cause, that vision of a, of a world, of, of a future state of the world, lots of things are going to change between here and there. And it needs to be able to go through those changes. And finally, it needs to be idealistic. It needs to be big. It needs to be bold and ultimately actually unachievable. Now, a couple questions that come up about this all the time are okay, how big does this have to be? Does it have to, you know, does it have to, do I have to change the entire world? Because damn, that feels, you know, super overwhelming. The answer is no, you don't have to change the entire world, but change your world, make your world better, make your part of the world better. The scope of a just cause is really up to you. You can have and on that note, you can have multiple just causes. You can have a just cause for your family. You can have one for your career. You could have one for your spiritual home, like your church. You can have one for your friend group. You can have and participate in multiple just causes. Now this, by the way, going back to some of Senek's earlier work, this is different than the idea of the why. When you think about the why, each of us has, according to his assertion, each of us has one and only one why that we're always going to have. But we can participate in many just causes in every area of our life. And frankly, we probably should. It'll lead to, uh, I assert, that would lead to much higher levels of fulfillment and satisfaction. I highly encourage you to try that on for yourself. Now, one other question that comes up around the just cause is, wait a minute, so do I have to come up with a just cause? Like, do I need to be that huge visionary person that has this vision of changing the entire world? No, we're not all Steve Jobs or Martin Luther King or, you know, pick your luminary here. We don't need to be that person. But what we do need to do is to find a cause. We need to find a cause. We need to make it our own. That is what so many people have done that have made incredible contributions to the world. I don't know who started civil rights in the global sense of that entire movement. I'm not talking about in, you know, 60, 70 years ago in America. I'm saying ever. I have no idea. And lots and lots of people have latched on to that movement. Certainly, we've seen that in the last year with the racial upheaval in America that started in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. The point is that cause wasn't invented last year, but lots and lots of people have latched onto it because they realize how much it means to them and they want to contribute to it. You know, civil rights is an excellent example of a just cause. So now let's talk about the second pillar that I want to cover today, which is worthy rivals. So a worthy rival is... I want to be clear, this is not an enemy. This, in fact, can be a good friend of yours. And most importantly, you can choose your worthy rivals. Now, a worthy rival is, it might be another person, it might be another company, it might be another team within your company. But the point is, is that there's it's a rival that is in the same infinite game as you, but you need to respect them. The worthy rival, they make you better. And they make you better by pushing you to be better, often by revealing your own weaknesses. Apple and Macintosh, classic case of worthy rivals. One of the things that Simon Sinek talks about in the book is that he, he talks about Adam Grant, as, a, as who's a fantastic author as well, as one of his worthy rivals. And he talks about how for years he had a lot of envy and jealousy about Adam Grant and he felt really insecure about him. And they realized one day at a conference that they felt that way about each other. And they realized that they were worthy rivals. Each of their work pushed the other person to do better work. And they ultimately became really good friends. And now they collaborate sometimes. And that's a beautiful example of how you can develop worthy rivals. The most important thing to realize about worthy rivals is that it's your choice. We get to choose our worthy rivals. So consider wisely, who is it we choose to compare ourselves to? Don't let it be a default choice. Make it an intentional one because those comparisons will shape how we do what we do. Okay, let's move on to the third big pillar I want to talk about today, which is existential flexibility, or in this case, the capacity for it. The idea here is that as you're pursuing your just cause, as you're pursuing that vision, you need to be willing as, a, as an individual, as a leader, as an organization to completely jettison your entire strategy. 
right? If it turns out that even after years of investment, that there is a much, much better path to realize and advance the vision of the world you're pursuing, this is the the capacity to make that huge 180 degree change everything kind of play in service of the vision. A good example of this is Walt Disney. So Disney had become massively successful in movies and animation, but the jump to Disneyland was a huge existential flex. That put everything on the line for Disney. The thing about the capacity for existential flexibility is it really is a capacity. It's a capacity we're developing in ourselves as leaders and in our our leadership teams. We may never need to exercise this capacity, but we've got to be ready to do it. It also rides on one of the other pillars, which is trusting teams, because doing an existential flex is going to suck. Like it's going to be really hard and it's going to put everything on the line. It's going to be scary, but it's going to be worth it. And you're only going to pull it off if you have trusting teams and all the other elements of the infinite mindset. Okay. So those are three of the big pillars of the infinite mindset. I want to put this all together into a metaphor that helps me make sense of it and kind of keep it all in my head. And that for me is a road trip. Think about a road trip. Let's imagine you're going on a road trip with a few friends and you have two cars, right? So On your road trip, you have a destination. Let's say I'm in Los Angeles right now. Let's say I'm driving to New York. That's the destination. And that destination is providing directionality. And this is where the just cause comes in. This is the role of the just cause. It's that vision of a world, that city on a hill that we are always going towards. And it's useful because no matter where I am along that journey, I still know where I'm going. Like if I'm on the middle of a, you know, small road in New Mexico, I'm still driving to New York. That hasn't changed. And so it gives me lots and lots of flexibility in the route I take to get there. Now, second thing, I need fuel in the car. Well, at least until Tesla takes over the world, but you get the point. The fuel is the why. It's the purpose. It's the, it's the motivational energy that fires me up. And then that also that every person brings to the team and to the, to the organization. That's the fuel. Then we need rules of the road. We, and those are the values, right? And these are the values, not just on, you know, written down on paper, but in operation, in behavior. What does it look like for us? to operate the way we say we want to operate. How do we choose to conduct ourselves? Those are the rules of the road, the values. Now we've got companions on the ride. Those are our trusting teams, right? Who's in the car with me? We're going for this journey together. We're going to go through the whole experience together. Now, if you think about it, then you have your route for the road trip. And that is the strategy, right? That is the strategy you're pursuing in the service and direction of your vision. This is where the existential flexibility and the courage to lead come in. And you can think about it even going a little more detailed with this metaphor is that in service of this big vision, there are missions that we're going to pursue along the way, right? These are legs of the route. Each leg of the route is a specific mission we are taking on to get somewhere in service of this larger vision that, again, in this model, we'll never actually reach. But this is how, these are our mile markers, right? So we have these missions and then we have mile markers or waypoints along the ride. That's what goals are. I I assert that is the right way to think about goals is they're just mile markers in this journey telling us that we're going in the right direction. So we got a compass and we have goals. They're just mile markers. And worthy rivals, you know, hey, maybe that's the other car on the road trip with you, right? Your friends in the other car, sometimes they're going to be ahead of you. Sometimes they're going to be behind you. That's a key idea in the infinite game is that sometimes we're going to be ahead. Sometimes we're going to be behind. But again, there's no winning and losing in an infinite game. There's just ahead and behind sometimes. Now let's talk about why is this all, you know, why do I find this useful? Why do I think this is worth actually investing your psychic energy into? I think there's a few things. First of all, investing in this will help you make really big, hard decisions. Um, you know, being clear about the infinite game you're playing and especially the just cause, it makes, it makes it very simple to make some hard decisions, especially when opportunities come your way. They're really shiny. You want to do it. You want to say yes. Well, you can often decide very quickly by just saying, oh, wow, is that aligned with where I'm going? 
Is that moving me in the direction in service of my just cause and my, my vision, or is it not? If it's not, you'll know that right away. And that makes you know, decisions that maybe you would have agonized over for weeks really, really simple. I had that experience last year. I had an opportunity come my way to do something, looked really great on paper. And it just, when I asked the question of, is that moving me in the direction I want to be going in, in, in service of the world I want to create? It was just a no. And you know, that would have taken me weeks normally, but it was like a 30 second thing. I personally find as someone who was raised in the very achievement oriented culture of the United States, that it's given me permission to relax a little bit to, or at least try to relax into the infinite, constantly changing journey that we're all on here to relax into the unknown, to, to not having to see the whole path to not having to see the entire route to this destination I'm going towards. It's okay because I can still, you know, hold on to this, this, I can be dogmatic and fixed and attached to this vision of a world I'm pursuing, but I can be super flexible about strategies to get there, different things to try, which also honestly makes it easier when things don't work, right? There's lots of things I try, whether they're not public because the experiments don't work out, there's no point in going further with them. But having all of that contextualized by the infinite game, it makes it so much, I don't know, it just makes it better. Uh, you know, when things fail or don't work out, it's, it's less painful because you're like, oh, well, I guess that doesn't work to go where I'm trying to go. Let me try something else. So again, it's the idea of not defining ourselves by what we do. It's defining ourselves by where we're going and how we choose to live and conduct ourselves on the way there. And there's many ways to advance our causes. I just want to leave you with that. So my challenge to you, dear listener, is to spend a little bit of time thinking for yourself, what is that infinite context and what is the infinite game you're actually playing? And let me know what it is. I would love to hear what that is for you. You can hit me up on Twitter at ascotsko, A-S-K-O-T-Z-K-O, or email me at connect at makethingsthatmatter.com. I would love to hear what this idea has opened up for you, how it's contributing to your journey. And also let me know how you like this format of an episode. It's the first time I've tried this. I'm sure there's things that I totally flubbed and got wrong, but I'll try other things and, and we'll keep playing with this. So give me some feedback. Let me know. And until next time, my friends, take good care of yourselves and leave them better than you found them. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, I'd be so grateful if you could do me a favor and take about 25 seconds to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me reach way more listeners, and it also helps me bring you more great guests. As always, please feel free to reach out to me anytime at connect at makethingsthatmatter.com. And until next time, my friends, leave them better than you found them. See you out there.